1: Making your cat happy is a number one priority. Priority number two is keeping a clean litter box. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter helps you do both. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter traps waste at the surface with less crumbles and absorbs more waste and odor compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Litter at a store near you today. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates.
2: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You can hit me up over on Twitter, at Joe orico 99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Those are the two accounts where we post out all of our baseball and fantasy baseball content. And we're going to continue to do that throughout the offseason. I'm currently working on my early rankings for next year. A lot of things are going to change, but I do want to put out a couple different versions throughout the offseason. The first one, I think I'm just going to do a top 50 or so. We'll see exactly how many guys I get to. And that should be up on the website in the next week. And that will be posted out over on my Twitter account and specifically at Ethos Fantasy BB. I want you guys to go ahead and give that uh, channel a follow. That's where a lot of our stuff will be posted out from. I'm going to start posting my shows out there. I'm thinking next week, try and get you guys uh, seeing that account more and throwing some follows down on it. But today, we are going to continue with our position shows. We got through first base. We got through I think 20-ish first baseman, maybe 21, maybe 19, somewhere in that range of first baseman. We will revisit them as a whole, and maybe specifically uh, later in the offseason. I just want to take a really early, just initial surface kind of look here, where these guys are being drafted this past season, how they performed, and where I roughly think they're going to go heading into next year. Now, I did some work over on Twitter this morning, just a little thread talking about the second baseman here, and it's kind of a rough outline for what I want to talk about today. First off, Just started out by listing off the top 10 second baseman in fantasy for last season. And I did it by kind of avoiding guys like Trey Turner, like Mookie Betts, specifically talking about Yahoo here, who are eligible there, who didn't really play there. I wanted to focus specifically today on guys who just played at that specific position. And that's kind of been a theme at first base and catcher. And it'll continue uh, on that way. I'm going to focus on guys who primarily play that position. I'm not going to talk about Trey Turner today and then leave him out of the shortstop show. I don't think that makes a hell of a lot of sense. So we're just going to be looking at guys who actually played the majority of their time at second base this year. And the number one ranked second baseman, just in terms of, you know, primary second baseman, was Jose Altuve. The guy continues to impress. Uh, I've, you know, I was a huge fan of Altuve. I soured on him a little bit following 2017. I think everybody kind of did. It's just a natural consequence of what happened uh, during that era but the guy is still so phenomenal. I mean, 103 runs, 28 homers, 28 homers. Uh, the thing with Altuve is the power every year. Uh, I'll never cease to be amazed by a guy who is his height, which I believe is five foot six. Uh, is he five? I think he's about five foot six. and the amount of home runs that he's able to hit yeah, five, six, 166. And yet he's been a 20 to 30 home run threat now for the past six, seven years. Uh, it's, really, it's really incredible how he's been able to do it. And, I mean, the steals have kind of fallen off with Altuve. That has been the general trajectory for him for his career. He started out not really hitting many home runs his first few years, two, seven, five, and 7. The steals were in the 30s. He even hit 56 in 2014. And it's kind of been a reversal of that recently. But this year, I mean, following these last couple of years of six steals in 2019, he had two in 2020. He had five in 2021. And this year, he got it back up to 18. And I think what's really important is that he was only caught one time. He's picking good spots to steal here. He'd never been caught fewer than three times in a season. And usually, I mean, in his height, in his prime of stealing bases, you were looking at usually between, like, 10 and 13 caught stealing every year. Now he's 32 years old. He figures he doesn't have the speed he used to have and he needs to pick his spots. And that is really great that he's doing that for fantasy purposes. He was the 18th-ranked player this season only 57 runs driven in but you know he did he produced in every other possible way he batted 300 that was the first time he'd been above 300 since 2018 and he was a guy who was well above 300 of uh, 2017 and prior i mean 346 338 313 341 the guy was a serious serious batting average threat we hadn't seen it so much these last couple of years not that he was bad but it was like 298 278 uh, in the lockout or the pandemic shortened year was 219 So it's really good to see him get back to that kind of pace, especially at his age here at 32. Now, when is Jose Altuve's birthday? It is in May. So early next season, he'll be turning 33. Will he decline a little bit? I would have thought that he would have declined already, Uh, you know, specifically this power. Every year, I haven't really been a big believer in it. I thought it was more fleeting when it happened, you know, 2015, 2016, he started hitting 20 home runs, but he does it every year. So, I I mean, it's hard to really fade him based on the power, the speed. Maybe those 18 steals don't stick. Their steals are very, very volatile year to year. Maybe he has five next year. Maybe he gets 20 again. I, I wouldn't be betting on him having this kind of stolen base number again in his career. Maybe he gets back to 10 or 12. That would be probably roughly what I would be hoping for. I mean, maybe you'd hope for 20, but I don't think it's realistic I'm looking at where he was being drafted, he was the 53rd overall pick on Yahoo, and he was the 72nd pick on the NFBC. Will he push up a little bit? Maybe a tad, but I think people are going to factor in the age. I mean, maybe the NFBC he'll go higher than 72nd. Uh, second base is really a crapshoot, so there will be some people who maybe just want to get it nailed down really early on so they don't have to worry about speculating on you know some second base shortstop eligible guy. I'd pick 250, 300. They'd rather just nail it down with an early target. And if you're going to do that, I think Altuve is a pretty decent option. Now, I wouldn't go out and reach above ADP for him, which I'm assuming is probably going to be in the 50-ish range, 53rd last year on Yahoo. Finishing 18th would probably you'd assume he's going to push up a little bit, but I think the age will mitigate that, that bump that he's likely to get. So maybe 45, 40-ish is about as high as I think he's probably going to go ADP-wise. And I think you'd be... Oh, right, in that situation, if he's, let's say it's a 12-teamer, he's going around pick 50, yeah, I think you're probably okay uh, in that range to have him in the fourth round, the fifth round kind of thing. If you're pushing him up into, like, round three-ish, maybe he goes late round three in some cases, like his minimum draft pick will almost certainly be somewhere in the 30s, maybe late 30s. I don't think that I'd really be pushing for him there, specifically, like, a 15-teamer. I don't think that I could go and feel happy about having him as my second or third pick in a 15-team, in a or maybe even in that kind of scenario, he'd be your, your number one batter. you take, let's say, you go for a pitcher in the first or second round, and then you go for an Altuve. I don't know that I'd have so much faith there. The lineup is still going to be really good around him, but he's not someone who really thrives so much on the counting stats. I mean, he gets you a lot of runs, but the RBIs, it's, it, I mean, it wasn't great this year. Typically, it's a bit better than this, but I, he's not someone you can really draft expecting a huge number of RBIs there. Typically going to be batting at the top of that order. He should be good for 60, 70-ish, hopefully. I mean, 57 this year. Maybe he sticks in that kind of range. Between 50 and 70, I think, anywhere is fair game if he's in there. So I think he's going to be a, still a solid uh, solid pick. Should be a solid player, but I wouldn't go reaching too far above uh, the consensus for him next season. I think where he's going to fall roughly 40-ish, 45, that'll probably be uh, generally kind of okay. I feel better if it's like a smaller league. 10 or 12 taking him in that range. You know, you got a couple of picks already under your belt. That's where I'd feel more confident if he's gonna be your second or third pick. I think you're probably playing with fire a little bit there. But let's move on. Let's talk about our number two second baseman for the season. Somebody that we worried about quite a bit in the early going. Is he done? Oh, was last year a complete fluke? Is this, you know, should I sell him? Should I drop him? I got one or two questions earlier in the year. I don't know how serious they were, but should I drop Marcus Simeon? That is something that I heard a couple of times in April and in May. The dude was awful. He had an awful start to the year, and he was coming off of an incredible season last year, Marcus Simeon, where he broke the record for home runs by a second baseman. He had 45 homers. He scored 115 runs. He drove in 102. He stole 15 bases, and he batted 265. It was a, I mean, you know, talk about betting on yourself kind of thing. A one-year deal for Marcus Simeon that he parlayed into, I believe it was seven years, 120 some million. But this was really ugly stuff. In April, the dude batted 157. He had no home runs, and he had uh, two stolen bases. And then in May, he had one home run. He batted 233. Awful. Garbage. Awful. We were really, really getting fed up with him around this point. And then in June he turned it on. He had 7 home runs, batted 287, and then in July he hit 6 home runs, batted 268, and he figured it out. And where he really figured it out this year was the stolen bases. Coming off of only stealing 15 last year, he stole 25 this season, which was obviously a huge boost to his value. Now, Marcus Semien, I was I was pretty big on him during his time in Toronto. Last year he was really good. Um the eligibility's nice, sure. But, I mean, I need to check here, actually, how many games Marcus Simeon, did he play any games at shortstop to even retain that eligibility next season? Let me just check baseball reference here. I'm guessing he didn't. I'm guessing that there was not enough appearances there. Um, Twelve? No, he played 17 times at shortstop, so he'll, he'll get that eligibility still for next year. So he'll be second and short. That's all good and fine. Now, in terms of his ADP, he was 34th on Yahoo last year, and he was 39th on the NFBC. And the NFBC, there's a lot of different ADP data. So what I just did, I looked at all of it. This is not sorting, anything specific, no time frame, just all NFBC drafts from last year, no specific main event or DCs or anything, just all of it. He was the 39th pick, 34th on Yahoo, and he ended up being ranked as the 31st player. I, I was not expecting that he would even finish this high I knew the home runs would fall down. He was going to an inferior lineup. You figured those counting stats would go down. And he actually did go down in all of his counting stats. The only thing that did go up was steals. He he increased by 10 steals, but the average was lower. The RBI is lower. Almost 20 less home runs, which is obviously going to sting. But he still had good value. And I've talked about that Ranger lineup a few times. I really like it. I don't think that they're going to be some big juggernaut. But I think between Lau, Low, Lau, I think it's... God, I think it's low. I always mix up Nate Lau and Brandon Lau. Low, Lau, I'm not even sure. God, I could give myself a headache going down that road. But Seager and Lau and Adolis Garcia and Josh Young and Simeon, I really like that as a core. If that's your top five in your batting order, order your top five out of six batters, that's really good. And I think Marcus Simeon will probably fall down a little bit in his ADP next season. I can't see him going in the 30s comfortably. I mean, I certainly wouldn't be taking him in the 30s comfortably. I wouldn't expect those steals to continue at that rate. We'd never seen him go above 15, which was last year. And now he is 31 years old. Uh, No, sorry, he's 32. He's turned 32 years old. So are we going to see him continue to steal a lot of bases? I don't know. These older guys, not even that 32 is older, but as guys head into their 30s, you tend to see the steal slow down a bit. So I wouldn't draft him expecting that kind of steal production again next year. uh, 25 steals, 26 homers. I mean, Maybe the home runs can stick, and we've seen it multiple times now over his career that he can hit 20, 25 home runs. He hit 45. So, I mean, 25, 30, I think is probably within the acceptable range, within the, I mean, expectable range, I guess, uh, something that you can kind of project to. I I like Marcus Simeon. In terms of where he's going to go next year, I'm thinking probably in the similar kind of range to Altuve. I think he'll probably fall down a few spots. People will... Be a little bit worried. I mean, he was overdrafted this year already, Marcus Semien. 34th was probably a little bit too high for him to be going, and it's lucky that he finished 31st. I think, I mean, if you look at those steals, if those steals are exactly what they were last year, then that 31st is looking like probably 50, 60, something like that. Hard to hard to say off the top here. But I think he'd probably fall like 20 or 30 slots with those stolen bases. So, Let's say that he regresses there next year. Let's say the home runs stay the same and everything else stays the same. You're still looking at, like, a probably a 30-spot drop in value. So if he's going in the 30s, early 40s next year, again, a lot of the same arguments for Altuve. Do you want Marcus Semien to be, like, your number one batter on your team? Likely not. Uh, if he is your number one, you're, you're I mean... You get a little bit of production across all the categories, nothing really special in batting average. I, I would understand it, kind of, but I don't really like it in that range. I think if he's going pretty much the same as Altuve, you know, between 40 and 50 there, I'd like it a lot better. Uh, if he's going between 30 and 40, again, uh, sh- shallower formats, you'd be a more comfortable. But in that range, I don't have a lot of confidence that there's really much value to be had in that pick. I think you'll take him there. Best case scenario, he would return like somewhere in that same kind of value. But these kind of picks, some people aim for a safer landing. Some people next year will take, you know, Fernando Tatis in the second round, which is, you know, probably, I mean, maybe even goes in the first round. Who knows? There's different levels of risk in terms of fantasy players and where you want to take guys. Semyon. I don't think there's a lot of risk, but there's certainly some risk for regression, specifically with those steals. So I I like him. I think he did a great job this year having value despite losing uh, some of his value, if that makes sense. But I'm not going to be jumping ahead of ADP. Very similar uh, sentiments to Jose Altuve. I think if he's fallen in that 50-ish range, you're probably okay. But higher than that, I I think I'm going to be leaving him alone. The next second baseman we will talk about today, Tommy Edmond, who was one of my saviors. I know that he bounced up and down a little bit earlier in the year. He was like a top first round kind of player. And then he had an awful couple of months. And then down the stretch, he turned it on again. He was being drafted 117th on Yahoo and 92nd on the NFBC. He was one of the best value picks across fantasy this year. Regardless of site, regardless of position, whatever you're talking about, Tommy Edmond was fantastic. He ended up as the 55th ranked player for the season, not too shabby, 95 runs, 13 homers, 57 RBIs, 32 stolen bases, and a 265 batting average. Very similar numbers to what he did last year. He had four more runs, he had two more homers, he had one more RBI, he had two more steals, and his batting average was three points higher. And he did all this despite having 70-odd less at-bats. Something that drove me kind of crazy with Tommy Edmond this year was where he was in the batting order. He batted first 87 times. That was all good and fun. Batted second 14 times. You know, you'll take that. 100 games uh, in the top two batting slots. Most players, you'll be pretty happy with that. The thing that started to piss me off here is that he batted ninth 31 times. It wasn't like he did poorly. He did well when he was batting ninth. He batted 272. He had more home runs in the nine hole in 31 games than he did in the one hole in 87 games i just don't really understand it why why do they do this why he batted i mean first 87 second 14 and then he was fifth once he batted sixth 11 times seventh six times and he was eighth one time i don't like it when teams do this i've said it throughout the year if you're gonna put a guy in a batting slot unless there's like massive huge reasons to change the guy just leave him alone and for the most part it didn't really make sense to me i mean Early in the year, he was batting ninth a lot, and then he was batting first. And then it, it was – it really, truly – I mean, maybe that I was missing something here. But it, there was times when he'd be first, and then he'd be ninth the next game, and then first again, and then he'd be fourth. like It was just really weird shit with Tommy Edmund in terms of where he was batting this year. I think that he is a pretty prototypical kind of leadoff hitter. I don't know why you would not have him as your leadoff hitter with that kind of speed, that kind of power. He gets on base. I I don't get it. Hopefully next year, the Cardinals pull their heads out of their ass in that regard and put him in the leadoff spot for every single game that he's going to play. That would be ideal, obviously. Not that the numbers suffered for it. I just like that consistency of knowing when you're drafting a guy, he's going to be bad in leadoff, he's going to be bad in second, he's going to be bad in wherever. Uh, I hate when guys get moved around a hell of a lot. It didn't matter for his value. He was still excellent. And the thing with Tommy Edmond here, especially on Yahoo, he's got second, short, and outfield eligibility. Awesome stuff out of Tommy Edmond. In terms of where he's getting or going to get drafted next year, he's going to push up into that top 100 for sure. Uh, on Yahoo, he was already a top 100 guy on the NFBC, 92nd. Now, how much higher does he get pushed up? That will be, I mean, that is the million-dollar question, I guess. With Tommy Edmond, I would take him probably in the 70s. That would be where I would say is maybe not the highest I would go. but I mean, that's probably about the highest I would go. We've seen now for the last couple of years the skill set that Tommy Edmond has, and he's going to be this kind of 10 to 15 homer, 30 steal, 260, 270 kind of batter. And I think that that'll probably, I mean, just even basing it on this year, 55th ranked, he'll probably be somewhere in that kind of territory which should be fine if you want to take him in the 55-60 range. I just try and look for as much value as I can on a draft pick. I think that probably the best range for him is in the round 70, just so you can still make up roughly around if you're going to take him there. If he's being drafted as the 50th pick off the board and you take him there, then your best-case scenario is him likely just doing exactly that. And it goes kind of back to what we said earlier in terms of how safe you want to be with your picks, how risky you want to be. I think he's a pretty safe pick. I just don't think if you're going to take him in that range, you can expect him to get much higher. Maybe the batting average pushes up a few points. Maybe we get a couple of more home runs. But we've seen that for the last three years, or the last three, his three full seasons, or generally, you know what I mean, two full seasons. And then there was the pandemic. I keep calling it the pandemic. The Yeah, the pandemic. I mix up the pandemic and lockouts all the time when I talk about shortened seasons. But when you factor in what he does over the course of a whole year, we pretty much know what we're going to be getting out of him. Assuming that he is the leadoff hitter for the Cardinals, I don't think there's much of a doubt there that he will lead off most of the time still, even if it's not every single time. I just, I I can't stress enough how much I like to look for a value pick. And maybe he does end up as the 30th, 40th ranked guy next year, in which case picking him 50th would be totally fine. But I think... Likely, we see him go around 65, 70, 75 in that range. And I think that that's where there will be value. If he starts going higher than that, again, it's not like it's a terrible pick. It's not like he's not going to perform that necessarily. I mean, hell, uh, we're we're trying to predict the future here. It's, it's impossible to know exactly what a guy's going to do year to year. But I think that we pretty much know the skill set. We pretty much know the range he's going to finish in, assuming health and everything else. And if you take him too high, it goes for everybody. This is an argument that goes for everybody. You take a guy too high, whoever he is, then you kill any value that you might have with that pick. I don't know how much you guys follow fantasy basketball. I'm starting to do more fantasy basketball work here. And we've seen him with Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton is, and I won't go too much into basketball here for you baseball guys, but he was a guy who had a really good kind of breakout year last season, and he was drafted, I forget where exactly, 60, 70-ish kind of range, and he ended up having like... I think he was inside the first two rounds of value. I forget exactly where. Might even have been late first round. Like, he was really excellent per game kind of thing. And now this year, his draft price, like you see him in some expert kind of, you know, high-stakes leagues going as high as the fifth or sixth overall pick. When in reality, he should probably be going in the middle of the second round. So as much as I like him, as much as I think he has a great skill set, I've kind of been priced out on him. And I'm hoping that doesn't happen with Tommy Edmund and a couple other guys we're going to mention here because... I think that he can be a great, he was a great fantasy asset. 32 steals is ridiculous. And maybe, you know, you're at a point where you, in your draft, potentially next year where you have to reach for him a little bit because you just don't have steals in your first few rounds. Maybe you went with some kind of, you know, Vlad and then Jordan kind of combo or Jordan, however to pronounce it, I've heard both ways. So I honestly, pronunciating names, pronouncing names is the worst part of my, <laughs> of my game here. I blow them all the time. Jordan Alvarez, Jordan Alvarez, I've heard it both ways. But let's say you go Vlad Guerrero in round one or Jordan in round one, Vlad in round two. Let's say you're picking on the turn there. You get those two guys. You're realizing in round five or whatever, you don't have steals. Maybe you reach a little bit on Edmund. And specific builds will kind of negate ADP data if you're going for one way or another. And then you kind of just have to do your own thing. But generally, I'm not reaching for him inside the top 50. I don't want to spend too much time on Tommy Edmund, but that's the general last thought here. Top 50... I don't think there's going to be value there beyond that probably uh more likely that he's going to live up to that value. But let's keep it going with Andres Jimenez of all the guys who could be the fourth ranked second baseman this year and I know, you know, we're leaving out guys like Mookie and Trey Turner, but Andres Jimenez, he was the 70th overall player this season in terms of everybody from his draft pick of 238 on Yahoo and 273 on the NFBC. The dude had 66 runs, 17 homers, 69 ribbies, 20 steals, and he batted 297. I think that was, you know, there's a lot of things that were kind of surprising, but the, the, fact, the fact, Jesus, that he batted almost 300, almost a 2020 season, this was fantastic stuff from Andres Jimenez. This team as a whole, really surprising, and maybe they'll continue to surprise, but just the way that their offense was able to produce with guys like Rosario, with Ramirez, with Kwan, um, with, with Jimenez, with Josh Naylor, you know, at times, especially earlier in the year, Owen Miller. And we had Oscar Gonzalez come up. And then you look at all the great pitching that they've got going. Like, the amount of players that Cleveland has lost over the last couple of years, specifically like Lindor, uh, Trevor Bauer. You know, they've lost guys who were very talented players, whether they left or they were traded or whatever. And they're still in the playoffs here having a very successful team. They have a great pitching staff. And I think out of all of it, Jimenez might have been arguably the biggest surprise this season. Second and short eligible. I think there's a decent chance he's going to walk away with a gold glove. I believe he was an all-star. I've kind of tried to block out as much of the all-star game as possible because I'm just not a huge fan of the way that everything goes. But, yeah, he was an all-star. The funny thing about Andres Jimenez, for those of you who maybe don't remember or maybe you just don't know, is that he was like one of the main pieces that was traded for Francisco Lindor. He was with Isaiah Green, Josh Wolfe, and Ahmed Rosario for Carlos Carrasco and Francisco Lindor. I think the Guardians are pretty damn happy if this is what they're going to get. I mean, it's not exactly Lindor-type value, but it's like this is amazing stuff out of Jimenez. Can he do this year after year? We're going to have to see what he develops into, what exactly we can expect from him. Uh, In terms of where he's going to be drafted next year, 238, 273 ADPs this year, Yahoo and NFBC respectively. Obviously, he's going to jump up. Where he jumps up to, I think, is really a matter of, God, it's really a matter of preference in terms of, like I said earlier, it's it's a risk thing. He doesn't have the track record. like uh, He doesn't have multiple years under his belt of doing this kind of thing, which is something that I tend to value a lot more than, you know, I'll take the consistent kind of maybe slightly lower production as opposed to one or two years of, like, bang, bang production. And then, you know, Julio Rodriguez is a great example, you know one really great year but is it going to be like the first overall pick next year for me? No, I'll take guys like Turner, like Jose Ramirez who have a bit more of a track record. So when you're getting to this point of your draft, which I'm guessing with Jimenez is probably going to be around 100 and yeah, probably around 100 I think is is a fair rough estimate between maybe he goes a little bit higher in some formats, maybe he goes a little bit lower, but right around the century mark I think is where he's going to be going. You got to ask yourself are you trying to just build a safe team? Are you going to take some chances? Do you think he can take a step forward? These are all very hard questions. He's only 23 years old, Andres Jimenez. Sorry, 24. He just turned 24 years old. There's still a lot of room for him to grow. He was the centerpiece of that trade for Lindor. We know what the, Indi- the Yep, caught myself. We know what the Guardians can do development-wise, specifically with pitching, but they've also had really great lineups on and off here for. The last 10 or 15 years. I mean, I know there's years in between where the lineup is pretty scarce, but this year they were really good. He was a big reason, and I would expect that to continue. He's going to be a cornerstone of the franchise. Um, I mean, a little worried, sure, that you get some kind of, like, quote-unquote, like, sophomore slump. Not that it was, like, a rookie year, but he'd never played more than 68 games before, never had more than 188 at-bats. This was his first, like, real proper season, the 500 at-bats. He played 146 games. I think that we're going to be fine next year with him as long as, again, we don't get priced out of it. If people are grabbing him in the same range that he finished this year as a top 70 player, I don't think it'll happen. But if that's the case, then forget about it for me. I'm not going to be taking him that high up. I don't think that there's any value there, and that's really a main theme here. That's a main theme that's going to be throughout this offseason, throughout these recap shows. Is there any value? Can you make up any ground when you're taking a guy here? And if you're going to take Jimenez where he finished this year at pick 70, I don't know that we're going to get that much better. Maybe he gets a hell of a lot better. Maybe next year is 25 and 25 with a 310 average. I'm not going to bet on that, especially if I'm putting a lot of money into a league. Maybe you will. Maybe you want to take that chance on him around pick 70, 75. For me, if it's around 100, 110, that's where I would be more comfortable taking him. I think that's where the value will lie. We'll do one more second baseman for today, and that will be Gleber Torres. The dude had a really solid year in 526 at-bats, 73 runs, 24 homers, 76 ribbies, 10 stolen bases, and a .257 batting average. This was a huge bounce back for Gleber Torres after last year. I mean, really the last two years, but specifically last season because everybody kind of gets a pass for the pandemic. He played 42 games. He had three home runs that season, and it was whatever. I mean, you know, nobody really took those stats to heart so much. Maybe in fantasy it affected ADP a little bit, but, you know, we kind of threw that season away. Last year in 127 games, he had nine home runs, 51 ribbies, and 14 stolen bases. Now he gets back up to those first couple of years where we saw him had good home run numbers, uh, 24 this year, just like he had in his rookie season. Now he had a 38 home run year in 2019, but that was the year that we kind of know was – you know the balls were a little bit uh messed around with a little bit funky that season I guess is the nicest way I could put it so I don't know how much stock we put into that 38 number that was the year DJ LeMayhew also just went crazy he had like 26 homers 100 RBIs and he went nuts I don't know that we can really expect uh, that number to ever come back with Glaber but this 20 to 25 home run range with 10 stolen bases and okay batting average no reason that we can't expect that kind of thing going forward for him he was the 172nd pick over on Yahoo, 172, and 152 over on the NFBC. Probably about right. You know, he'll, he'll go a little bit higher next year for sure, but I'm a little bit worried about the Yankees. Until I know that Aaron Judge is coming back, I just don't have a lot of confidence in that lineup, assuming. I mean, I have more faith in, like, the front office, not that they're, you know, the big spending Yankees that they're known to be uh, anymore, really. I'll still spent some money, but I don't think it's as crazy as it, as it once was. If you take away Judge from that lineup, you have Torres, you have Rizzo, you have a banged up Giancarlo Stanton. You don't really have that much going on. I mean, the Yankees need Judge to stay especially fantasy-wise here, just so that these other guys can have some value. If you look at like the highest OPS on the team, other than Judge's 1,100, it was the 820, I mean, throwing away Matt Carpenter in his, whatever, how many games he played 45 games. Uh, It was Anthony Rizzo at 821. It's not bad. It's not great. But you can't have Anthony Rizzo be, you know, your main offensive guy uh, giving you production there with his batting average, which is, I mean, we went over it yesterday, the day before, 225. Like, you can't – they need to have more pieces on that team, whether it's, you know, judge leaves and they bring in some other pieces or judge stays and they add to judge – the Yankees need to do a little bit more, uh, and that's a, that's a big part of the value here. I mean, the counting stats are pretty good, 73 runs and 76 RBIs, but I'd like them to be a little bit better for a guy batting in the middle of a lineup for a team that won 100 games. I'd like a little bit more. And uh, Maybe I'm just a greedy bastard. That's possible. But, I, I mean, it, it's going to be tough, right? His ADP... I think part of it will depend on Judge. I think it'll depend on the Yankees. It'll depend on what they do around him. Can he produce another top 100 season? He was 99th ranked this year. Yeah, absolutely he can. But I think the road back is a little bit harder than what we might be thinking, uh, just looking at what he did this year. A lot of the times we'll see what a guy did one year and think he can do the exact same thing the next year. I'm a little more skeptical. We've seen him do this kind of thing before, but it was a few years back now. So, I mean, I still like him. He's still a young dude, 25 years old. If Judge comes back, if the Yankees stay relatively the same, maybe they add a piece or two. I'm assuming it'll end in heartbreak this year. Maybe that's just wishful thinking for me, being a Toronto guy. But I'm thinking they'll probably probably change some things for next year, whether it's Judge, whether it's somebody else. Maybe they go for Trey Turner. Maybe they go for somebody else. Who knows? I, I, it's very hard to predict what that team is going to do on an off-season to off-season basis. If they lose, if they get embarrassed in the playoffs, I think they're more likely to spend a bunch of money. Don't know how likely that is, but hey – Uh, A guy can dream, right? If the Yankees do well, maybe Judge comes back. There are so many different options here. In terms of where I would draft him next year, if he's going in the top 100, I'd feel not too great about it. Like, if he's going right inside this range, maybe he's fine. He's probably okay, but I'm not, like, thrilled about it. He got six games in at shortstop, so I think that he will still maintain the eligibility there. He won't just be second. I mean, the scarcity at the position in general might lead us to jump up on a couple of these guys. There's no one here, I mean, in terms of all these guys we talked about, there's no one here where I'm going to be, you know, jumping ahead of their ADP, uh, you know, very excited to draft them. Not really. Second base is really not an exciting position. If Glaber's going in that 120 range, you probably got to jump on him because, you know, there's just not that many great options left. But maybe you just say, screw it. I'm going to speculate on one of my last draft picks, maybe, you know, Uh, depending on how deep your league is. Whatever it is, one of your last draft picks on a guy who's, you know, maybe you pick up a Tony Kemp or something, you don't even care. You go with Adam Frazier, just somebody who's going to get some at-bats, somebody that you can plug in there, maybe Rugnet Odor. I think that's probably a a fairly desperate option, but maybe you go for somebody who's just not on the radar. Maybe you take care of everything else. You know that second base kind of sucks, so you just don't worry about it. Maybe you go for one of those Altuve or Semien guys, and, you know, you hope that these guys stay healthy all year. There is... There's so many different options, but there's, there's not one right way to go about second base. There are, and I laid out a couple of the options here earlier. One of the – or on Twitter, I guess I should say. I put it out on Twitter. But one of the things that I think I'm going to be really interested in is going for these guys who we weren't talking about really, uh, especially today. There was a lot of guys at second base who were injured who we didn't see much of or really at all this year, uh, guys like Ozzie Albies, guys like Jazz Chisholm, Guys like Trevor Story, Jonathan India, Brandon Lau. Uh, These guys are going to be maybe not forgotten about, especially not in higher stakes leagues in the NFBC. They're not going to be forgotten about. But if you're going through Yahoo, a lot of people will look at the previous year's stats, ESPN as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. You'll just look at guys who will say, eh, you know, Jonathan India didn't play that much. He wasn't that great. Chisholm was good, but he was hurt. Albies barely played. Story had one good week, and then he sucked. You know, these guys, they're all capable of giving you a top 50 fantasy season. All of them can and all of them have. I mean, not, not Jonathan India, uh, Jazz Chisholm. I think it's probably maybe not quite there, but like per game kind of thing, Jazz Chisholm, one of the best fantasy players that we have. Before he got hurt this year, the dude was incredible. I mean, on a per game basis in 2020, or excuse me, in 2022, he was 13th. So like these guys are going to be falling a little bit farther in drafts than they probably should next year. And I think a viable option for second base is to just pick up one of these guys at a discount as opposed to doing the other options. You go for Altuve or Semien or Edmund really early on, there's always risk with that, with taking a a guy early on. Uh, Whoever it is, you know, whoever it is, but specifically second base, older guys like Semien and Altuve, I feel better about Edmund, but, you know, nobody in that group really inspires so much confidence. Edmund, I'm pretty okay with Edmund. But all these guys, I mean... I think the most viable strategy for me as of right now is going to be to take one of these guys coming off an injury. You can get him a few rounds discounted. I think Chisholm is going to be a really interesting pick for me next season. I'm going to have him on a lot of teams. I think Ozzie Albies as well. These guys are going to go a couple rounds later than they probably should just because people are worried about injuries repeating. And Albies had a really shit bout of luck. He got hurt he came back. And then he got hurt like in his first or second game. So people will be scared off just because of that kind of thing, even though they're kind of fluky injuries uh, you know, these guys should still be able to carry good value. Trevor Story might be a little bit more of an iffy one. But, you know, even when he was out there this year, he ha- he gave you some pretty decent counting stats. Um, let me just pull them up here. Trevor Story gave you 16 homers and 13 steals. It's not bad. You know, it's 350 at-bats. So he gives you 500. No reason to think he can't go 20-20. What the Red Sox do around him will also impact that. If they keep Bogarts, if they keep Devers, what happens with Martinez? We don't really know what the Red Sox are going to do. It could be a huge fire sale. And, hell, maybe they trade Story. I don't think they will. But maybe they're just, you know, they tear the whole thing down. Maybe they go and give it one last effort with this group. They, you know, excuse me, maybe they go out and they get a huge free agent signing. They bring back Bogarts and then they do something else. And maybe Trevor Story is, a you know, a top 30 fantasy player next season. If he has a full year and a good lineup under his belt. There is a lot of variables, but I think these guys are going to be probably my main targets for next season. Uh, We're going to get more into this tomorrow. I want to talk about some of these deeper, not even deeper guys, but the latter half of the top 10 here. Guys like Jeff McNeil, Taro Estrada, Jake Cronenworth, Whit Merrifield, believe it or not, was still the ninth-ranked pure second baseman this year, Uh, not if you're factoring in other positions. But if you're just looking at second baseman, Whit Merrifield, actually, you know, he had a top 200 fantasy season. If He had... Uh, 16 steals 11 homers he was 186th. so he's the guy we're going to get into there's still a lot of options there are still a lot of options for second base like there are every position there's just different quality of options second base not the deepest spot so I think the best advice I can give you in general for the position is to go in with a defined strategy or plan into your draft don't go into your draft saying, oh, well, we'll, we'll see what happens with second base. I, I've all the positions, I think there's a lot of them you can do that with, outfield, shortstop, first base, starting pitching, a lot of positions where you can kind of just say, you know, we'll play it by ear. But second, I would want to have more of a defined plan, a defined strategy going in. Of, I'm going to take an early second baseman. Whatever, whatever it is, I'm going to take an early second baseman. Or I'm going to take one of these guys who was hurt last year, who will not be an early guy. They'll probably be maybe late early rounds like four five six kind of thing and maybe you get yourself an Ozzie Albies in the fourth or fifth round maybe you get yourself Trevor Story in the fifth or sixth round that would be an excellent strategy in my opinion that would be something that you could think about or maybe like I said earlier you go for Adam Frazier you go for Tony Kemp you just don't give a shit about second base so you figure you know I'm going to take care of the other positions where I know that I can actually get guys who are going to have value as opposed to you know, hoping that Gleyber Torres can do it again or hoping that Andres Jimenez takes a step forward. Maybe you just don't care about it. Maybe you just, it's an afterthought. You go for your shortstops, your first baseman, everything else, and then second base is just whatever. Maybe we'll pick one up with fab money. Maybe we'll use one on the waiver wire. Maybe we'll just, you know, you have to have a second baseman. maybe you just pick the last guy, last pick, and whoever it is, you stick him in there, hope for the best. There's a lot of different strategies. Maybe that one is not the best, but we saw this year, guys, especially on Yahoo, who were being drafted very late, you know, Estrada, McNeil, Jimenez, these guys are, guys who are going post-pick 200. Uh, Tyro Estrada on the NFC in terms of all leagues, all drafts, the, uh, the ADP was 725. There are value picks later in the draft, all positions. Second base is a total crapshoot, so we'll continue to talk about it tomorrow. We'll talk about it later on in the offseason. We'll bring on some more people who will dive deeper into the analytics. These shows right now, What I've been doing this last week and going forward these next couple of weeks are just our first initial look. These are not deep dives into swinging strike rates and pitch usage. We are just doing general kind of what we're thinking, initial thoughts heading into next year, how we think they did this year and that sort of thing. So this is not, you know, if you're listening, thinking he's not using advanced stats. What is he talking? You know, he's not talking about uh, hard hit percentages and different percentiles and stat cast numbers. We have done that a lot. We will do that more. But right now, this show, these series of shows are more just, you know, we're not we're not going to go so deep into, into data right now. No one's going to remember really a lot of the data. Anyway, we will talk about it. But this is our kind of wind down from the season period where don't need to be so intense talking about these kind of things. There will be time for that. We will do that. But right now, this is kind of our chill, look back, start to generally – plan ahead, a little bit, look forward, and, you know, just start to put strategies in our mind for next season, even if we're not implementing them yet, just start thinking, get the brain moving, and thinking about 2023, but guys, that's enough of me rambling, I will let you guys go there, we have, I believe, just one game tonight, I think the Yankees game was canceled uh, for tonight with the Guardians, um, maybe it's not, maybe it's, it's still, no, 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 yeah, this one's been postponed. So all we got going on today is the Astros and the Mariners. It started actually like 20 minutes ago or so. Uh, we're in the bottom of the first there. So if that one should be a lot of fun. I'm going to go and watch that. Please do go subscribe to the podcast, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify. There are so many different places where the podcast is available. Please do check it out. Hit the subscribe button. Leave a five-star review. Ideally, that would be really great. And please do go check out our Twitter feed, at JoeOrico99 and at BB. Tons of content coming throughout the offseason. I should have some ranks for you guys this weekend. So please do go check out sportsethos.com. Check out all of the great stuff we got going on there. And there will be baseball articles this weekend or early next week at the latest. So, guys, I'll leave you there. Enjoy the baseball, enjoy the playoffs, enjoy the offseason. And we'll see you tomorrow. Cheers. Clover gives you the power to run a smarter, faster restaurant. See everything in real time with the kitchen display system. Streamline takeout and delivery with online ordering. With the right tech, quick service is getting even quicker. Clover. Accept payments, run your business, and sell more. For a limited time only, visit Clover.com to get a $450 statement credit on qualified hardware purchases. That's www.Clover.com.
1: Making your cat happy is a number one priority. Priority number two is keeping a clean litter box. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter helps you do both. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter traps waste at the surface with less crumbles and absorbs more waste and odor compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Litter at a store near you today. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates.